We are in a sermon series where we are going through the book of Mark. Oh, let me hit on one thing real quick. So we are in a season right now where we have Thanksgiving like this week, right? We have Christmas coming up in a month. Um, And um, one of the things that we do as a church as we go towards Christmas is we celebrate this thing called Advent. And we're going to give you guys an Advent guide. This is last year's. It's all stained up from sitting on my kitchen table and being read through with our family. Um, But we give you this Advent guide, and uh, we're going to give you a box of candles. Um, There's five candles in that box, and we'll have those next week available, ready to go. Um, And what you do is you take this guide, and you read a couple of scripture verses um, with your family when you have a meal uh, or whoever you're with, and then uh, you light these candles. And we're going to light the candles here as a church. But we invite you guys to light them as well in your home each evening. And then it becomes this thing that we center around and these truths that we remind ourselves of hope, joy, peace, love. Um, and we just continually like just go towards Christmas with this, um, this expectation and this reminder of who Jesus is and why he came to be with us flesh and blood, right? So um, just so you know, we'll get this to you guys uh, soon. It'll be, the digital version will be on our website as well. Um, in case you don't get that when you, if you miss next week. Um, but we'll have them next week ready to go. So um, let's open our Bibles and uh, let's study. If you don't have your Bible, um, again, the, the digital bulletin and all that stuff will have the, the verses that we're reading as well as some questions that I'm going to ask. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the red, tra- red cup controversy. We're going to ask some questions. Um, we're going to talk about some storms. I'm going to share some stories about being in a boat. And then um, we're going to hopefully close this all up with, some, uh, with a passage that, from Psalms that will help kind of center us, I think, around what's really most important. So first thing, um, let's read. And then we're going to talk about the season, okay? So Jesus calms the storm. Uh, this, this series, we're calling it Walk With Me, and we're basically journeying with Jesus through all these um, interactions that he has with people in these events and how he encounters these um, either difficult conversations, um, theologically, whatever it is. And now we're going to see how he sits with his disciples in the midst of a storm, okay? So starting out in verse 35, chapter 4, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. This would have been the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Um, The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, said, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Last week we did a Lectio Divina and uh, we took the passage and said what stands out about these uh, verses or these words that you see. Um, And I would just ask you to look at that right now as it's on the screen. What word or phrase stands out to you? You don't have to shout it out. Just think in your mind. What word or phrase stands out right now as you see this? 
We are in a season right now where everybody's decorating, right? Some of you probably already decorated your home in uh, Christmas attire, um, ready to go. Um, if you're that person that's just like eager, you're like, I'm not waiting until after Thanksgiving, I'm going for it. I've already seen some people putting up lights. Um, it's happening. It's, it's, we're already there. Um, it's time for uh, gingerbread lattes. We were talking about lattes a few weeks ago. <laughs> I think that's a, that's, a, that's a season. That's a phase that we're going into. Um, one thing that never seems to fail is um, people getting worked up over Christmas as we talk about Christmas. So you guys already know. You might already be thinking of people that, in your life that um, as we go into Christmas season, they're already like, you can see their blood is boiling and they're like, People are taking Christ out of Christmas. I'm angry about it. We're going to lose my mind. And, um, and so I just want to bring up, I think it was 2015, the Red Cup controversy. Do you guys know about this? That Starbucks had? Okay. Um, I don't think Starbucks really started. I think Christians started it. Okay. Um, and if you don't know about this, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. Um, so basically, the Red Cup controversy started. I was going to show you guys like the progression of the cups that happen at Starbucks, but I totally forgot to put the slide in there, so you just have to use your imagination. Um, but there is a progression. If you Google Starbucks cups, you'll see the progression, how it goes from very Christmassy with like, I don't know, all kinds of like whatever the, was it holly and yeah, snowflakes and gingerbread man, whatever. And it went progressively less and less all the way to the point to where now it's just a red cup with their green logo, Right. And Christians lost their mind over it because they were like, you're taking, you know, Christmas and everything out of the Christmas season. And it's just, it's not right. It's not okay. And you're taking Christ out of it. And, um, and basically people just got really worked up. So uh, if you want to look it up, you can look it up afterwards. You can really dig into it. But a um, couple of stats. Um, if you look up Starbucks War on Christmas, there's videos and some of them have like 14 million views People are really passionate about this, apparently, um, and gotten really into it. Um, and uh, one, one person said, while the world rages on and problems like starvation, massive refugee crisis, and homelessness remain unfixed, people in America are arguing over a red beverage container, right? So like, let me just put it in, in context there like, and just put it back into perspective. Um, if you're getting worked up and like, don't walk out on me yet, just hear me out a little bit here, okay? Um, but... Uh, that whole thing just, it, there's a lot going on there. And it says, in fact, do you know that Starbucks isn't allowed to say Merry Christmas to their customers? Oh, I'm so angry about this. I'm, I'm really not. Um, here, let me just, let me center it again. So one blogger put it this way. I'll put it on the screen so you guys can see it. You can make sure I don't misquote it. But it says, another reason, hashtag Merry Christmas Starbucks. If you want to look that up, you can do that as well. Um, is everything wrong with American Christianity is its improper, miscalculated expectation of Christian values from a non-Christian entity. Simply put, Starbucks is not a Christ-centered company. That doesn't make Starbucks bad, all right? They just don't care. And a lot of our culture may not even care. And we get worked up over it. Let's not do that, okay? Um, we're going to talk about storms today, and I think that's one of the storms that the church, when we talk about big church, see like church in America, church globally, um, that's one of the battles or one of the, quote, storms that we create. There are storms in our lives that are created by ourselves, and there are storms that are created by others, um, 
there's a whole spectrum of storms that we are going to encounter in our lives, right? I believe the red cup is not one of those storms we need to create, okay? Um, there's certain battles that we need to engage in. Yes, um, we should stand for these things and, and, and have a faith that we stand on, which we're going to talk about. Um, but let's not, let's not forget what really matters. Let's not forget what we need to center around. And so I bring up that story because it's kind of funny, kind of sad, but I think it gives some perspective of the storms that we, we face sometimes and how we encounter them. Um, to me, that battle is just not worth it. Um, it's not worth digging into. Um, forcing a secular culture to act Christian uh, will never end well. Forcing anybody to act Christian will never end well, right? I know that my kids, they go to a Christian school, and if I force them to do these things, that that will never end well. That if I'm forcing them to try and love Jesus, if I'm forcing them to do something, it'll never end well. But what I do know is that when I hear the gospel and I hear the truth and I hear who Jesus is about, I fall in love with that. It may convict me at times, but I fall in love with that truth because it's life-giving. And that's why we say our, our mission statement always, because it's like when we center on Jesus, it will be life-giving. And then we begin to see that this thing that we try and teach our children or that we, we talk about with people in our culture it's meant to be life-giving. It's not meant to be something that we force on somebody and just say, you have to do this. It's meant to be something that's when it's spoken, it's spoken in love, and it's spoken in a way that people then go, wait, tell me more about that. Like, why do you act that way? Like, why do you love people even when they're angry at you? Why do you still have patience in the middle of a crazy storm in your life? Like, tell me more about that. I want to know about this. And so, Ah, these storms, we, we're going we're gonna to have them, and it's going to be all around us. One of the things I want to just clarify before I move on from that whole story and that interaction, um, there's a book I'm reading right now that um, I think really gives kind of a good perspective on culture right now. It's called Live No Lives by John Mark Comer. I would recommend picking it up and checking it out. Um, but one of the things that he says is that the Christian community often mistakes persecution with exile. Persecution with exile. And what I mean by that is that we think we're persecuted because Starbucks won't put like Christmassy stuff and we're taking all that stuff out of it. But really, that's what the culture's doing. And really, what, we're not being persecuted for that. We're really in a culture that doesn't believe the same thing we believe. And what exile is, is if you go into the Old Testament, I don't really have a lot of time to explain it, but if you want to research it more, dig into it. But essentially, God's people who live in a distinct way were pulled out of their homeland and their country, right? And this is me boiling it down really basic. And then placed in another culture that does not believe in the same God, doesn't believe in the same ideals, the same foundational truths. And they had to live very distinct in Babylon. Um, that's a word that I'm going to throw out that you're probably like, what is that? But it's just another country that didn't believe the same things they believed. And so they were cast into exile in Babylon um, and then they're having to live in this way that was definitely different than the rest of their culture. And that's what we are in. Um, and so when we face things, when we face storms, what we would call storms, um, we have to recognize that our culture isn't going to do the same things that we do. But we have to live in a distinct way that is unique. And what we see Jesus do is live in this distinct way as he's in the boat, okay? So this may be a different perspective on this boat thing, but I hope it unpacks it a little bit more and gives it some depth, okay? So... Um, the storm kicks up. They're in the storm, right? Um, what is Jesus doing? Let me just reference back. He's sleeping. He's sleeping in the middle of a storm, 
right? What does that tell you just as you like think of the metaphor of Jesus sleeping in the middle of a storm? What does that tell you about who he is? Non-anxious. Yep. Non-anxious. Like he, he's at peace even in the middle of chaos. You might think that our world is in chaos, but maybe you need to hear this this morning. Jesus invites us to be at peace in the middle of it. At peace in the middle of whatever storm. Red cup or no red cup. Peace, okay? Like, we need to be at peace in the middle of that. I've experienced that as I've journeyed with Jesus more and more. Um, There is a very real tension that exists in our world. I'm not trying to downplay the tension or just, it's fun to like laugh at a little bit, but um, there's a tension that, li- that exists in our lives. You may be coming into this room right now with a lot of tension from family or from, um, like Chris mentioned, like the prayer request of like when you get together at Thanksgiving, sometimes family isn't easy, right? Um, sometimes that's like a very tense, anxious time for you. Um, I hope that we don't downplay that tension and that difficulty and that challenge and that storm that exists. Um, but we acknowledge it, um, and when we face those things, we have two choices. At least this is what our culture tells us. Fight or flight, right? You guys know that. Like, that's like, when we encounter things, like, we can either fight that situation, and many of us will do that. We'll, we'll dig in, we'll dig our heels in, and we'll just fight whatever situation is as much as we possibly can, or we can just bail out. Check out, be like, I'm good. I'm just going to do things on my own. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the situation. I'm just, it's a lot easier when it's quiet by myself, right? Um, what I want to propose is a third option, okay? Find an anchoring point. And we're going to unpack that. Find an anchoring point that begins to give you something that helps you navigate storms, okay? An anchor, what does an anchor do for a boat? If a boat is in the middle of a storm and it's about to get thrown up on the rocks, what does that anchor do for you? It keeps it safe. It keeps it locked in. It's going to keep it getting thrown on the rocks and thrashed. And you might be in that boat getting thrashed with it, right? Um, What an anchor does is it gives you that stability. It holds you in place. Um, When an anchor is set, it will hold you and keep you safe. Um, It's one of the key things we always make sure we have on a boat with us. Um, Because when an engine fails, you don't want to be drifting towards danger, right? Um, So let's carry that analogy a little further. Um, Fear is a very real thing that happens. Um, Storms can wreck us. There are scenarios in life that are very concerning, like as I mentioned. Um, And what we see here is the disciples, they fear for their lives. They're scared, right? Like put yourselves in their shoes. Picture them right now panicking and freaking out. And what was their response? Like, how did they begin to respond in the middle of that, that situation? Utter fear, right? Yeah, panic. Sometimes we do that same thing. Jesus' response is, says, do you still have no faith? Sometimes I believe we downplay who's in the boat with us. We don't recognize the power of who's in the boat with us. And we look at our situation and we go, I don't see another way out of this. This is impossible. Like, we're going to get destroyed. And Jesus doesn't even care, right? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're like, does God even care? Maybe you've asked that question, right? This is a safe space to ask it. 
Um, maybe you've wondered, like, does God even care about my situation? Because the situation's been going on for a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know your situation, but maybe you have something that's a storm that's been going on for 20 years. I don't know. Um, something that you battle constantly. Maybe you ask that question of like, do you even care? Like you're asleep in the boat. Like what kind of God are you? Right? Like sometimes we can ask that. And that's really like, I feel like that's a, a healthy question to ask and a healthy thing to recognize that maybe we're at that place where we're just like, I don't think Jesus cares. Like he's in the stern of the boat asleep. And what I want to do is begin to show you what Jesus does is gives an anchoring point that helps us navigate that. Because that's, like, if we don't deal with that, then that question, if that never gets resolved for us, then we're always going to live anxious and in fear. Um, And so here's what he does. He says, like, do you still have no faith? Um, There's an accessibility that, that God constantly brings to us. He's like, I'm in the boat with you, you know? Um, And I think sometimes we forget that. Um, We're in a culture right now that, um, as Matt and I were talking about this, um, and Chris as well, like we're just, we do sermon prep and we're kind of looking at culture and like thinking about like how this um, connects. And um, we're in a culture of deconstruction, right? Um, Christianity for a lot of people is being deconstructed. Church is being deconstructed. What what we stake our lives on is being deconstructed. There's a lot of like question asking and throwing out of things that don't matter. It's kind of what we did as a church too. Like we don't want structure that exists in here that doesn't help us grow in our journey with Jesus. So we're like liturgy that matters, that has meaning, that like when we talk about prayer and worship, like it should matter. And if it doesn't, then we shouldn't do it anymore, right? Um, And so um, we're in that cultural phase where people are deconstructing things. But if we deconstruct without rebuilding, there's no anchoring point. There's no foundation to to stand on. And I think that's where we're at as a culture is people don't have anything to stand on anymore. Because we've deconstructed everything out, we're like, does God really care? Does this all matter? Like, I'm just going to do things my way because whatever, like, it doesn't make a difference. And we're forgetting that your life does make a difference, that like, you do matter. Like every single one of you in here, the smile that you bring to your workplace, to your family, to your relationships, it matters. And if you're gone, that makes a big difference because then you're not able to, God's not able to shine through your life in those areas. And so deconstruction can end up in this very dead end road. We need to reconstruct. And what I think what Jesus does here is he's, he's reconstructing the disciples' faith and helping them go like, do you have faith? Like, are you rebuilding on something that really matters? And this, this accessibility to God is very much there. It's just we've said, no, I don't want anything to do with you. And we keep God at arm's length, right? Like, we're just like, stay away. Maybe further than arm's length. We're like, just stay out of our culture. Like, we don't need you anywhere. But really what, what Jesus does is he's like, do you not have faith that I have power over all this stuff? Because what does Jesus do? What is the next thing he does? Or before he even has this conversation, what does he do? in response to their panic. Calms it down. He's like, simmer down. Like, you're a little unruly right now. Calm down. Let's relax. And then he begins to show them, like, I have, I have power over all that stuff. Like, it can be chaotic. It can seem crazy, but I have power over that. You don't need to stress out. But Jesus didn't stop the storm until they panicked and came to him, right? Like, he, would, he might have just let it keep on going. Because he knows that everything's going to work out. Like, he still has that peace in the middle of it. 
Jesus gives us his anchoring point because when we're in the middle of storms, we freak out. When we have challenges in our lives, we freak out. Um, But we need to learn to begin to recognize that he has authority. He has the power over these things that we think are impossible because their response was, he even has power over the wind and the waves. Like we've seen him heal, right? Up until now, we've watched him heal people. We've watched him cast out demons. And so these are all like kind of spiritual things that, that they could see and physical things. But this is like the biggest thing where he's like, he's controlling the waters, right? Not just people and, and, and things that maybe they've been familiar with, but now he's controlling like all of creation. And then their minds are just blown. They're like, wait, he can do that too? You know, he can control all of that. And I, so I think there's a discipleship that's at work right here, right? And the disciples learn, they go, okay, our picture of who Jesus is was like this big. And now it's just like, it's completely blown apart. And now it's, it's massive, right? So after this, like their faith continues to grow even more. They're more familiar with who Jesus is and the power that he has. Um, I think sometimes we get lost in the midst of self-help, in the midst of the millions of TED Talks we can listen to, the millions of YouTube videos we can watch, the endless amounts of Googling we can do. I think we get lost in the sea of gurus, right, that help us with all these different things, and we forget who Jesus is. We forget that he wants to speak into these things way more powerfully and almost very simply compared to whatever, how everybody else describes how we handle life. And so I just want to say, like, I, I know it's simple, but are we anchoring in who Jesus is? Like, are we listening to his voice? Are we, when we have a challenge, when we face something that's very difficult, do we anchor into him and say, what, like, really, what would Jesus want me to do right now? How would he react? Would he be asleep in the middle of this storm, kind of just going like, yeah, I know things are going to work out? Um, or would he, would he be panicking? Probably not, right? Um, Based on the Gospels that we see, he has this very non-anxious approach to life because he knows who's in control, that the Father is in control. Um, How would you describe Jesus in one word? Peace. How would you describe Jesus? You don't have to say it out loud. I just want you to think about it. If you want to say it out loud, go for it. Shout it out. Mention non-anxious. When you think of Jesus and you think of one word, Dallas Willard describes him as relaxed. Relaxed Jesus. When I heard that, I was like, oh. Because I remember the first time I was asked that question, like, what do you think of when you think of Jesus? And it's like all these words of like, God, you know, um, powerful, um, loving, you know, all these like bigger, but I was like, relaxed? Really? He's relaxed. He was asleep in the boat in the middle of a storm, right? There's a soul shepherding article if you want to check out a really cool website that has a lot of great articles if you want to check it out. Um, It's called soulshepherd.com. Um, Amazing, amazing writers, but um, and they do a lot of referring to Dallas Willard. And one of the things that uh, is in your uh, bulletin notes is an article linked to this quote um, that you can read sometime this week that I would encourage you to read because it's it's powerful. Um, 
it gives some of the answers and like some meat to what we're talking about. But it says, being relaxed in Abba's love, submitted to him in the kingdom of God is what enabled Jesus to be in a position to love, have compassion, be holy, and to fulfill all the other lofty words that we use to describe him. Being relaxed in the Father's love. Just being relaxed, knowing that God is in control. He's got this. He's going to work through it. We've all encountered those people that are relaxed. Jesus has this casual approach that we would be like, sometimes, as I mentioned before, like we think that he just doesn't care, but he does care. He just does it in a way that says, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going I'm to approach this with some trust, some faith, knowing that God is in control, knowing that he can handle it. He's a big God. Philippians 4.6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, if you want to highlight, underline something, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Like, this is something that Paul, as someone who encountered Jesus, understood. He says, be anxious in nothing. Like, know that, like, you can bring these things to God, that it's not just like a blind trust. It's a knowing that everything I deal with, God is in the midst of that and that I can hand it to him, that I can put it in my hand and freely know that he's there. He's going to handle it. It may not be right this moment because that's us controlling it again, right? Going, do it now. Hold it there and see what he begins to do. Begin to see what he can do in the midst of those situations as we bring it to him, right? And it says with thanksgiving. So there has to be a heart of gratitude and again, this is like a heart posture. The disciples, if they've been like, oh, thank you for, he- for stopping the storm. Thank you for healing. Thank you for being who you are. There's a heart posture that says, I'm not in control. You are. I want to be part of that. Like you calm storms. I'm in, right? And it's just this casual approach just saying, I want to be part of that. Um, I want to share a quick analogy. I was out on a boat yesterday um, and found this fitting. <laughs> Um, my buddy Gavin, he, um, yeah, I'll throw the photo up there. There we go. Uh, my buddy Gavin, uh, lets me use his boat. It's the best way to own a boat. Um, I hope he listens to this podcast. I'm going to share it with him. Um, but I help him with oil changes and woodwork on this old boat. That's like this cool, just, uh, it's called a Woodward skiff. It was built in the fifties and, um, it's been kind of upgraded and redone with like a new engine and new stuff. And, um, it's just kind of like a workhorse. It's not anything amazing to look at. I like it the way it looks because it's got that old like wooden boat style. Uh, but most people are like, oh, it's kind of an old school boat. Um, but, uh, but no, he lets me use it and lets me take it out. And I take new divers out with us, new people that we know in the community that want to go fishing. And, um, and we go and catch fish and it's fun. It's amazing. Um, when I go, there's a lot of trust knowing that I'm taking someone else's boat out, right? So there's a lot of like, don't mess this up and um, don't break anything. Um, he's, he's really gracious and cool about it. But um, when I go and I take other people, I know that like I have to think through, do we have the anchor? Do we have enough gas? Like have the batteries been charged? Is everything like dialed in? Um, and now I know that boat like f- inwards and outwards, like front to back. Like I know everything about it. I've like worked on the engine. I've done everything possible on there now. Um, but when I go out, I'm always thinking about all that stuff. Other people hop on the boat and they just like have fun. They enjoy it. They get to do all these things and just kind of like, do, 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 you know, like go through the whole ride. And um, so yesterday I shared that I got to go out fishing with him. Finally, it's rare that I get to go fish with him at the same time. 
And so him and our other buddy, Shane, um, we went offshore to try and find uh, some tuna, which have been around here lately. And we found the tuna. Um, but on the ride out there, I took a nap in the boat. And it was the first time I'd done that in a really long time. Like, as we were going out, there's like a two-mile stretch where there's no fish generally. Like, you're not in the zone yet. And so I just laid down in the front of the boat, and he was driving. And he, I know that he's in control. I know that he knows that boat inward and outward, right? Um, and so it was the first time in a long time that I got to sit there and not think about it. But here's the interesting thing. that As I was laying there, at first I had to fight the, like, are we going the right direction? Did we check this? You know, like, are the bilge pumps on? Like, are we making sure that everything's dialed in? And I had to fight that over and over and kind of go, no, I'm not in control. Like, I know that someone else is here that knows this stuff, and I don't have to be the one in control right now. So I got to sit back, and I actually fell asleep. It was pretty rad. Um, hadn't done that in a long time. And, and I began to think about that, though, this morning as I was, like, thinking through my sermon. I was like, wait a minute. Like, that's the same thing that Jesus was doing. Like, he just understood that someone was in charge that has power. And I think that that's what we need to do is we need to get to that point of knowing that we serve a God who knows the ins and outs of life, that knows the ins and outs of everything, to where we can be at peace. Like, we can relax in that. I don't know if you noticed there's sharks in the front of the boat right there. <laughs> okay, those are giant thresher sharks that we got to encounter uh, like two or three summers ago. And um, it was amazing, but it was like I didn't hop in the water. I just put the GoPro in the water and filmed them. But um, my buddy put the drone up and, and got some cool photos. But um, that's the kind of stuff that's sometimes swimming around us, and we have to stay calm. There's another layer to that analogy there. Um, that we're going to hit storms, we're going to hit things that are challenging, that are scary, um, but we have to know that we serve a captain that's in charge, that knows this stuff, that knows life. He created us. Like, he knows, he intimately knows every single one of you inside and out. He created us, right? And what a beautiful reminder that we can nap in the front of the boat and know that he's in charge. It's not that we just, like, go hands off the wheel and, and disconnect from life. It's that we know that you can rest easy, that you can be that non-anxious presence when you're hanging with people. Um, I'm learning that. It's a, I think it's a lifelong journey of knowing that I'm not in charge and God's in charge. It's a process, right? Um, but we can get there. And so what I want to do is close with this question. Um, I was going to give you guys this Psalm 19, but you can look it up on your own. You're big kids. Um, Psalm 119, we can look it up and you can just begin to dig into it. It's just a good reminder of the fact that like, I'm not God, God's God, and I'm just going to put my, my trust in him, um, that when things get crazy, um, we can put our trust in his ways, in his ways of living, and the ways that he's called us, and invites us into this righteous way of living um, that ultimately is good. Um, but I want to ask you the question, is like, what challenges are you facing right now that Jesus needs to be that anchoring point in? What challenge are you facing right now that, like, you need to say, I, I just need to trust and hold on to that anchor line and just know that he's going to hold, that he's going to be the thing I'm going to hold on to, not anything else. Because um, there's a lot of things that we can get distracted with and think that are going to change our lives and somehow change a situation. But when we really trust Jesus and we go, okay, he's called me to know that I'm loved and then to love others, um, that begins to crack open a lot of stuff and begin to change a lot of things. And so what's the challenge that you're in right now? Um, we have a five-minute greeting time at the end of the service, and I've kind of gone over a little bit and jumped in a little bit of that time, but um, I'm just going to invite you to 
sit and reflect on this question if you want to. Um, I know that some of you want to just stay in your seat and reflect on it for a couple minutes and just let it marinate. Um, but some of you are like, I need to meet somebody. I need to say hi and talk to somebody. Um, I would just invite you to stand up and head to the back and um, greet someone new. Um, say hi, get to know their name, and um, maybe share this with them if you're willing to share that. If you're not, that's fine. Just talk about, you know, the weather or whatever um, and how nice it is. But what challenge are you facing right now that Jesus needs to anchor you in? And then ask yourself, how would Jesus respond in that situation? How would he respond to that difficult, challenging storm that you're facing right now? So let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, time together. Thank you for your word. And thank you for um, the ways that you come and bring this life to us that brings peace, that allows us to encounter storms in a way that says, um, it's crazy, it's chaotic, don't know how to solve it but I know that you are capable of handling this, Jesus. And so we put our trust in you. We fully lean into you and everything that we have and we anchor our lives on you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So if you want to stay in your seat, go for it. But if you want to get up and meet somebody, just head to the back. Uh, just to be respectful for those that want to sit here and, um, and just reflect a little bit. Cry out in silence, so will I.